Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. They're back. <laughs> it's 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 your favourite Doctor Who podcast host, Damler. And Elliot, the the worst people in the world. The worst people in the world. <laughs> Guys, it's actually so hot in the UK, it's actually mad. Yeah, it's gone to de- it's gone to head, bless her. It's gonna be a fun one. But do you know what? We have no news this week to like just, just to get in, we just don't have any news. There is no news, nothing important has happened, not as far as we can recall, and I don't care to do the research, so... Yes. <laughs> deal with um, but, it. But how have you been, pal? How have you been this week? I have been fine. I've been very, very warm, as yes. expected. Uh, I don't like warm weather. Does not do me good. Don't like it. I, li- I, don't, mind, I don't mind it being a bit warm. You know, I feel like I can go sit outside, but like I'm literally opening the back door in the morning and going, I feel like I can't step out onto my own patio because it's hurting yeah. my body. Then, then, then I don't like it. So I've not, exactly. I've been doing better, but you know what? It's midweek. It's recording, so I'm happy. I'm I, I'm excited to talk about this week's two-parter. Well, the first part of the two-parter. Yeah, I don't like bur- I don't like burdening you or making you feel like you have you know, more responsibility than you should have, but this podcast the only thing keeping me going. Um. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's Let's just go there. Go, Come on. Let's go, go, straight go there. Into it. So today we are talking about series one, episode nine of Doctor Who, The Empty Child. I got that the right way around. Yes, The Empty Child first. It is The Empty Child first. I'm very happy about that. Uh, it was broadcast on the 21st of May 2005, directed by James Hawes, and it was written by Stephen Moffat. Oh. Boy, was it. 
boy was it i mean but the most important thing is i know what google thinks the episode's about i know what imdb thinks the episode's about but damla what do you think it's about what do what do i think it's about i mean jesus christ i wasn't ready for this not like we do it every week goodness since when I think this episode really and truly is about not wasting your food. I think you need to be really mm. careful. Food waste is really a problem. Mm-hmm. It was a problem back in the day. It's a problem now. Yeah. Don't leave a fucking roast pork on your dinner table because someone will eat it. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think. What about you? What do you think it's about? Uh, I think in a in a similar vein, it's a lesson in how. You shouldn't take more than one slice of pork. Someone tells you one slice, oh. you take one slice. Don't be rude. You, you take one slice. So bear that in mind, guys. Don't waste food, but also don't eat all of it. Yeah, don't waste your own food. But if you're a guest in somebody's house and they tell you to have one slice, one drink, you know, you do that. And then at the end of the night, if it looks like it's going to be food waste and they say, here, have another slice of pork, you go, thank you very much. Exactly. Rude. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got that out of the way. Oh, we we'll dying to talk about it. For a hot minute. Um, <laughs> a hot, hot few weeks. For a hot few weeks. God, it's so hot today. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, I, straight up, mm-hmm. straight up. This is like, I'd say this is a pretty good first part for me. Like, in terms of like yeah. two-parters, I actually really like this two-parter quite a lot. I think it's quite a lot of fun. Um and I think in terms of The Empty Child Part 1, um, I think it just... It's, it's, it's kind of like the perfect setup, isn't it? You see, I, I like this two-parter, kind of. I feel like it's, it, it's, it's maybe kind of not for me and also is better if you haven't seen it for a long time and you just kind of remember it in your head. Fair dues. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up as well. Uh, and uh, I know. agree with that actually. Rewatching it, I'm like, and for me, it is all yeah. kind of really wrapped up in because of because of all the Moffatisms that I don't like. I just I will never like his writing style, mm. and this is severely written by him. Here's the thing with Stephen Moffat, you know. Here's the thing with Stephen Moffat for me because I can mm-hmm. only speak about my opinion. For me, for me. Stephen, the thing is with Stephen, I really, really do genuinely. I do like some of his writing. I do. I um, I think he's really good at writing a, like really witty dialogue and really interesting storylines and stuff. But where he falls flat for me is with with the sex stuff, with mm-hmm. the overly sexual, overly annoying sex stuff. Also with the convoluted plot sometimes. But we'll get there yeah. later, even, much later on. I mean, but even even this, for what it is, does get more complicated than it should be. Like it's it's not hard to follow, but like it doesn't need to be. At first, I mean, this doesn't need to be a two part. That's my big opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like that just feels like yeah, I don't know. Also, you make a really good point. Sorry to cut you off. You make a really good point because I actually didn't understand the plot fully until a few years ago. Yeah, like it, it is weirdly sort of complicated, and you need to be not that having to listen to dialogue means that something's bad, but like it's a lot of I don't know. It's like I don't know. It's just like it's like guys. I'm not watching Inception. I'm watching yeah. Doctor Who. I just like I don't know. Really like. I'm sure you probably get on with like. And this is not a comment about them as people, but I'm sure you know you'd love like a, a Joss Whedon or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's the snappy dialogue and the sex and the, you know it's like what we're saying doesn't have to make sense, but if we could say it quick and snappy, then it like sounds good. Whereas I disagree, but 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 also, he Joss Whedon's a dickhead, and yeah. I think Stephen's lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, Stephen's a, a lovely man. I feel like I'd get on really well with him. I just couldn't think of another. I met him. Oh, well, yeah. I met him. Can I tell you what happened? Because it was hilarious. Only if it was hilarious, I'll be the judge. Um, I so guys, uh, if you're familiar with the shop Forbidden Planet, you will know that they do a lot of like signings and things like that, like. I was in central London with my dad when I was like 12, 13, 14. And um, we went past Fin and Planet for the millionth time because I love that shop. And they had a signing with Mark Gatiss, Stephen Moffat, Ben Cook, like all these Doctor Who writers and people who were involved in the show. 
And uh, my dad was like, oh, do you want to stay for the evening and like maybe try and meet them? And I was like, oh, that'd be lovely, you know. And I got in the queue and I met Stephen. He was literally so sweet to me. Like he was so lovely. Um, I can't say any enough good things about him. And I said my name and I have a theory. Sorry, we're going to go there. This is, it will come up again when we talk about this episode. I said my name, which is Damla. And he went, ooh, I really like your name. And he really made a point of that. Like he was like, I really like your name. And then later on, I think he may have remembered it differently, but Asylum of the Daleks came out a while after that. And there's a woman in it called Darla. So D-A-R-L-A. And I think maybe, I think I inspired that name. But that's a little theory for another day. That's my own headcanon. Let's move on. Um, He was really lovely to me. And then my dad is with me and he feels the need to speak to him. Now, here's the thing. When your parent comes with you to a signing, you don't speak to the person. You're just there to support your underage child, right? I mean, that's very sweet. He's very sweet, but he starts talking to Stephen about the traffic on the A20 or something, or or, or the M25, because we were like, we had just come in the car and like, and then Stephen was really gracious and lovely and was just nodding along going, oh, that must be really annoying. Yeah, God. And then I just, in my head, I was like, stop talking to Stephen Moffat about traffic, please. That's very, very, very funny. It it is funny, but in the moment I wanted to, to die. I wanted to die. Um, so yeah, I think Stephen's a lovely man. Before I say anything bad about his writing, I think he's absolutely yeah. lovely. Because um, I'm going to do nothing but talk about how much I don't like his writing in this episode, in series two, in series three, and then when we get to his era. But it's never an attack on the man because the no, man is really nice. But I have to use his name a lot because he's the one who wrote it. Yeah, and also don't let that put you off the rest of the podcast. We do have more nuanced opinions than this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because, like, my big, my big takeaway um, was a Chinese. Uh, no, my big takeaway, uh, my big takeaway is that I feel like th- these two episodes, they would be best two-parter in a Moffat-led season. Oh, yeah. In a Russell T. Davis-led season? Maybe not. Eh, yeah. They're fine. They don't work as well. So. I, yeah, I just think... Do you know what? Let's just. I'm gonna just start with the opening of it, right? Because the mobile. This is an example of Stephen when he's great, in my opinion. Is when we get action. Like he is so good at action. It's not even funny. Like I love when a Doctor Who episode. Personally, I love it when it starts off with the Doctor chasing something in the TARDIS. I think that's really fun. Mm. Or that something happens in the TARDIS. Yeah. Like you know, like in season three when they're like. We're going to the end of the universe. It's like, whoa, you're, whoa. I'm in. We're in. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, and this is just like, I'm literally chasing something through the vortex and it's going to land on London and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Um, and then obviously they land and it's like, it was like a month ago, you know, timey-wimey. Love that. Timey-wimey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Stephen, Stephen loves a bit Moffat. of timey-wimey. And... Do you know what? Actually, let me backtrack myself because we need to discuss how this this two part was genuinely a cultural reset. Right. No, but it was. Okay. Explain your hypothesis. Anytime this comes up, Doctor Who, the, the the show Doctor Who, to this day, if people don't even watch it, they're like, Oh, is that the thing where, where the thing goes, Are you my mummy? Yeah, I mean it did become really famous. And it's known to still be one of the scariest episodes of Doctor Who. But it isn't. But it isn't, though. No, that's For me and Elliot, because we are those bitches. However, it is still known to be, like... Like, my boyfriend, for example, really likes Doctor Who, but he's not, like, as obsessed with it as me and Elliot are, for example. Hence Um, why he isn't a co-host. Exactly. But even he was like, I remember hiding behind my sofa because it was so scary. Yeah, like I think there are there are genuine moments that work in this episode that are quite creepy. There are good scares that are really well paced out, but broadly, the thing that people remember being scary is not as scary, you know. And it's not something that I'm going to be like, oh yeah, it's a Stephen Moffat thing. Because you know, for instance, like I think the the Weeping Angels are held up as being culturally scary, and the Weeping Angels are pretty scary. Um, I just don't know. I just feel like it gets remembered as being you know that horror episode of Doctor Who, and it's just not really at all. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, I mean, this is probably jumping a lot further into the episode, but we don't always do things in order. That's how we are. We keep it moving, grooving. We keep it fresh. We keep it fun. Um, (laughs) I will say the one bit that did scare me 
Yeah. Most of it doesn't, I'll be honest. Like, the little kid with the gas mask, I'm like, cool. Yeah. I mean, I could literally run and you wouldn't catch me. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but the bit that does make me really feel sick and uncomfortable is when Dr. Constantine, like, turns into a mm. a gas mask creature. I don't know what they're called. The An empty child? I don't uh, know. I think... I think I, I feel like they were... When you could buy them as an action figure, I feel like they were called gas mask zombies. Oh, were they? Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, they sort of are called, like, called, kind of called gas mask zombies. Yeah. Fun times. But yes, um, I do think the design of... I do love the design. I think it's very interesting and really... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just think the way it was developed was really interesting. Like, the whole... Yeah, gas masks are, are uncanny. You know, because they have eyes... You know, it's got a sort of human profile, but it's also sleek without any human features on. I feel like things that are things that aren't human but act and look human are sort of usually quite terrifying. Something, something that this episode does, and that the last episode does, and I feel like reboot Doctor Who does actually quite a lot. That I feel like can be hit and miss is the the creep the creepy POV. Oh yeah. I was watching the original uh, Dalek serial because watching the one in the films, I wanted to remind myself of what it was based off of. Um, and when when Barbara's first being like pursued by a Dalek, like the doors are sort of shutting and closing on their own, and you see like security cameras following her. But yeah, and I was just sat there the whole time, and I was like, I love New Who, it's what I grew up on. But I was like, oh, if this was New Who, you'd have to have like the cut to the security camera footage. Where you go, oh look, an alien's watching it, and you go, oh. it's, but it's much more scary that those things are happening because you're in the moment with her, and that moment's ten times more effective. And I feel like, yeah, if like if Rose was, things I probably don't have the time or the budget, but you know, like if there's just a scene where Rose is like standing there and he's like up on a rooftop, yeah, and they don't draw attention to it, but like he's there, and then you could be like, oh, that's really creepy, yeah. But no, you just get a POV instead. It's, I do find it funny how like you know when. Um... Rose was saw Jamie and then you just get that really weird crispy nasty pixelated like doom of like him standing on the roof looking yeah it's like it's not a good jump scare is it because it just it's just him yeah. zoomed in a bit more but looking there crispy but okay I, d- I will say though one thing I, I find really fun about this episode I love I mean Rose's wardrobe could I just go on about it more I don't think I could I think I'm obsessed low-key um I gotta, I gotta say, the doctor, like me, would criticize someone having the Union giant Jack. flag of a racist nation, imperialist state on their chest. <laughs> I think I'd also, I'd also, I'd also be like, who do you think you are? Take that off. To be fair, it's but it suits her. It does suit her, and do you know what? Her. I just love when she goes to save Jamie because obviously Rose would do that. Um, oh yeah, and then she has she has her bronze moment again because she's like, I'm gonna climb up the rope and save Jamie. But oh no, I'm being floated above London in the middle of the Blitz. So I watched this episode with a, with a friend and they were like, oh, Rose has been hanging on that rope for a really long time. Like, you know, she must be incredibly strong. And I did say, well, to be fair, she has the bronze. I explained the whole <laughs> setup to them from Rose. I was like, look, you know, it still might be uncanny, but it's not like she's done it without any practice. She has a bronze medal in gymnastics. She, she can hold on flew to across a vat of plastic. Yeah, she can hold a rope. She can hold a rope. God damn it. <laughs> sure, it might be for slightly too long, but I don't care. I, I, I mean, that bronze. is one of my notes, is how on earth did she hold on for so long? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But she had, but she had the bronze. Now, if she had the gold, maybe she could have held on for longer. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> Fuck's sake, Rose. But yeah, so it's like, like that scene is fun it all gets a bit sort of odd blue screens and bad effects oh my god no when the 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 thing jack's um beam of light comes across her i was like i forgot how bad this looked yeah and like when she's when she first gets floated away and it's like yeah i don't know like her really hard like matte outline against jamie standing on the roof i don't know it's just a bit like i i feel like uh, because people always sort of say like you know i like i first of all yes i don't think a I don't know if barrage balloons can go that low where you can just grab a brick. Yeah. But, like, yeah, people are always like, oh, yeah, why'd she hold on to it without seeing where it goes? But to be fair, she does tug on it yeah. to make sure that it's not going to, like, fall down. Exactly. So, like, I understand, yeah, you would be a bit like, well, maybe I'll see what it's connected to. But it's not like she just climbs up it assuming that it's going to yeah. hold her weight. She does check to make sure. 
I just, it was just, it is very funny. I did find it really funny. I always find that scene a lot of fun. Um, it then stops becoming fun when Jack, Captain Jack, well, we get, if you see, okay, well, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Iconic character who will then, from this point on, become a massive part of the franchise. Captain Jack Harkness is introduced. It's not a great first introduction. Yeah. It's, I don't think. It's, you know, he's, 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 well, he's staring at her ass, and it's like... The 19-year-old. The 19-year-old floating in the sky who clearly needs help, and you're going to stare at her backside. Not, not great, Jack. Not great. Again, it's, the, it's too moff hats. Too way too moff hats. And also, the thing is, if anyone tries to come at me to be like, oh, this was all the time and stuff, like, you're just looking too deeply, you're looking at it at a different lens. First of all, obviously I am. Like, I'm now older yeah. and I'm now making this podcast. What do you expect me to do? Second of all, I did actually find it uncomfortable back in the day as well. Yeah, because it's just, it's so unnecessary. That's the thing, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. Like, it's so unnecessary. It doesn't, I don't know, like, you could get the same... With, you, know, you could get the same introduction to Captain Jack, sort of very clearly sleeping with the RAF guy, and sort of find out that he's a bit, like, sexy, because, you yeah, know, that is, like, his character, without him needing, like you say, to literally, you know, zoom his binoculars in on the, I still say this, teenage girl's ass. Yes. You know, like, you just, it's not necessary. It's not necessary at all, and it just, it's kind of annoying. But I will say, you know, I do obviously really like Captain Jack's character, because I... I've always loved Captain Jack, like, you know, I mean, I'm a, I've said this before, I'm a Torchwood girl. I do love Torchwood. I fucking love that show. Yeah. It means a lot to me and I love it very much. Um, And I do think everything they've done with Jack is, I don't think they've overused him too much in Doctor Who, which I think is really rare, like, nowadays. I feel like yeah. a lot of stuff does get overused in the show, but I feel like his character was, like, not overly used, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, I just prefer definitely, like, later Captain Jack. Same. So do I, yeah. Like, I mean, even even ends of the series, fine, but, like, yeah, I... I... For me, for some for some reason, I assume it's because of the age of when I was watching it. But for me, I remember Captain Jack best from Sound of Drums last of the time. Same. So my favorite Captain Jack is Series Three Captain Jack. Yeah. Like I, even in Torchwood, guys. Like seriously, because sometimes in Torchwood, what I like about Torchwood, not that we're talking about Torchwood, but it's it, it comes up. It will come up. Um, is that Jack is really like sometimes you don't like him in Torchwood, and I think that's really interesting that sometimes your main protagonist pisses you off. Yeah. And you, he's a very unreliable narrator, let's say, in a way. Unreliable character, unreliable main character. But, like, in Series 3 of Doctor Who, oh, love him. Love him. In Series 1, not so much. No, I mean, uh, so it's just all the... The thing is, I think, like, there's nothing wrong with having him be, like, massively weird and sexed up. But, like, it's just then also having eternally horny writer Stephen Moffat write for him just kind of means it just all gets a bit weird. Like, I don't know. I don't feel... I, I feel like that under a different writer, he's not someone that Rose would fall in love with. No. She's someone that she'd be like, oh, you're kind of smarmy. Yeah. And a bit of a creep. I want to know what you think about this. <laughs> because <laughs> as me and Elliot have mentioned before, we are both, you know, we're both queer. We're both part of the LGBTQIA community. Mm -hmm. Um, and Captain Jack is a character that means a lot to me as well because of basically waking me up to the fact that I am a little bit gay. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I do, I really do like something, something that I like that Stephen did was kind of take the trope of like the good looking soldier, the, the charming good looking soldier, but also he's a little bit gay. Yeah. And I think it's really nice for people to see. Like, the, the macho... Ma what I'm saying is, the macho soldier guy, time agent, cool dude, is also queer. Mm -hmm. I really love that. I've always loved that, and I always will love that. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it as a, uh, as a concept, and I like some of the things that happen with it. Again, I just think, like, it's... Uh, you know, I, I'm not expecting anything meaningful to be done with it because it's his first story, but like, I just think it's a shame that it's only still framed in terms of sex and having sex. Yeah, and, I agree. Know, being a little bit cheeky, you know, like it almost sort of, I know, like, I feel like sometimes Jack gets framed not as a genuine kind of like pansexual who doesn't care about anything, but that he's just a bit, he's just a bit of a flirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he doesn't fancy the doctor, but he's happy to sort of let him pretend that he kind of fancies him. You know, like, like, and I, I feel like, 
that's me watching it now. Like as a child, it definitely would have destigmatized a lot of things. And yeah, you know, I mean, he kisses Chris Augustin. Oh, we'll, pretty... we'll, can, can we save that for the episode? Because I have a lot to say. Like, you know, like, I, I feel like it did help destigmatize a lot of things and a lot of ideas. But yeah, I just feel like there's always, now that I'm older, there's a lot of sort of hollowness to Jack's queer identity that doesn't actually quite vibe with me. I agree. I would say, though, I think it's way more hollow in series one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, as it, the show goes on and as torture goes on, Jack's identity... I mean, if anyone tries to fight me on this, I swear to God, I will literally... I, I, won't even, I won't even attend the fight. The fight won't even get started. Because if anyone tries to fight the fact that Jack is pansexual in any way, I will, I will, I will just... I mean, who would disagree? But then again... We don't obviously, sorry, just to clarify, you don't have to label your sexuality. I'm a big believer in like, when people are like, oh, I don't really know what I am. I'm like, well, you are what you are. It doesn't matter. You like who you like. You like who you like. It doesn't matter. But also I think it's like, it it is sometimes labels are helpful. Yeah. In terms of representation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I hope you guys get where I'm coming from. Yeah. And that you get where I'm coming from, friend. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I do think in terms of the character introduction, not... The nicest introduction. Yeah, because it just makes you go, oh, he's a bit of a perv. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, the whole, like, right, let's move into this territory because we're, we're naturally going in that direction. I think in terms of, like, the whole Rose fancying Jack. Like, can we just stop bringing in... I mean, we can't stop it. It was in 2005. It's done now. But, like, I just wish they hadn't brought in so many guys for Rose to fancy. Like, we've got Mickey, we've got Adam, and then we've got... Jack and it's like oh for God's sake, because yeah. I think sake. I feel like because I feel like you know the whole what the big thing of like series one and two is her being like you know oh I've got a life back on Earth and I am in love with Mickey but also yeah I'm in love with this crazy man and you know I don't really know what to do yeah so having Jack do psychic paper on her and it be like yeah oh it says you're single available it's like well very. But, like it doesn't feel it doesn't Rose doesn't feel like Rose for big parts of this two parter. Agreed. I, I I feel like that's not her at all. She feels like template generic hot blonde and like don't get me wrong, she is, but like <laughs> you know, she has she often has a lot more depth to her and sort of the only time that she really feels like Rose is right at the start when she's trying to save Jamie. Absolutely. Like the fact that I don't know, just like she's everybody's so underusing this. Like the fact that she doesn't have more empathy for that child is so insane. Yeah, it's really strange and I just think yeah, I just wanted to get that conversation out of the way because I just feel like that is a big part of it that stops me from enjoying it, you know? Yeah, same, same, same. Even though I still really quite like this two-parter and I do, every time it comes on telly, for example, I will watch it. Yeah, and that's the thing and I think that's the difference, right? It's like, you know, we can have that we can have that conversation. It's a valid conversation to have. It doesn't stop your enjoyment of it. But for me, it's things like that that do stop me actually liking yeah. the two-parter. Yeah, 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 it, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to move on to... If you don't mind. <laughs> uh, it depends Depends what you want to move on to. I want to move on to Nancy. Mm-hmm. I think she's so interesting. Yeah, I like Nancy. I think that whole conversation... Do you know what it is with Nancy? I feel like the conversation could have gone a bit deeper with her. I feel like we could have really gone into Nancy's life a bit more. Treating... like There's nothing wrong with it. I understand why it's at the end. But, like, yeah, having her sort of teen pregnancy with Jamie be a sort of like a last minute twist fix of the episode. I, I mean, like, obviously not to spoil it, but also if you're listening to the podcast, you've watched Doctor Who, so... Yeah, it. you should have um, watched it, I'm really sorry. But yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, I was convinced, I'll say this much, I, I didn't even question the fact that she could have been his mother when I first watched it. I was like, oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know? like, I think so. I think it's a good idea. and I, I understand why it's a, twist but so i think in a, in a more perfect world this is one episode and that's the main emotional thrust of the story is that you know like i like why don't we have like r- there needs to be like scenes where rose sits down with nancy and talks about her that's it and stuff no like... yeah that's what i was missing no 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 this is it um, wow okay you've hit the nail on the head i was trying to figure out what was missing from this episode for me and it was the classic rose chatting with the side character and yes you may say that's a recycled thing i don't care i don't care when gwyneth and rose have that conversation it gives me love. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life, it makes me happy. It's everything I want. It's everything I need. I needed that from Nancy and Rose. I needed it. Inject it. Inject that shit into my veins. And it wasn't there. Yeah. And again, it's just a, you know, an indication of like, that's not really what, Stephen Moffat has interest in. There's nothing wrong no. with that, you know. But it's just not, and um, yeah, we learn that going into Zira because all of you know he's not interested in that kind of character depth. It's about spectacle and action and fun, and that's fine. But in a series that takes its characters very seriously, yeah, when it's, it's missing charge, for me. I miss it. I miss it. A lot. I miss it actively. I'm really glad you brought it up because I I was trying to pinpoint what it was, and that was what it was. Um, but I love that Nancy. Oh, she's so. She's just. Ugh. She thinks she's actually yeah. from London. Um, she was in Shut Up. She was in Lost in Austin. Now, let's take a moment to talk about Lost in Austin. Not that it's got anything to do with Doctor Who. Lost in Austin is one of the best miniseries ever created. Well, it's also the last thing she did. And it's the last thing she did. Do you know why? Because you can't beat it. She's like, no, my career peaked here. Oh, that's really sad. Oh, Alex Kingston's Alex Kingston's in there. Hugh Bonneville, Alex Kingston, Gemma Arterton, Lindsay Duncan. Oh, lots of good Doctor Who alum. There you go. Yeah. Um, right, so, yeah, I love that Nancy helps the children. Yeah. I really, really love that. It really warms my heart. But then I love how, like, Nine just, like, comes in and is, like, speaks to... I mean, I... This is another set of episodes that makes me realise how much I love him. Like, he's just... I mean, that's, like, uh... one of, honestly, one of my favourite jokes in this series probably because it just really makes me laugh every time is the is yeah is the you know take one slice past it only get the thank you miss thank you miss thank you miss thank you miss it's yeah just, it's, so they're great. All like, it's just yeah i just forget every time that he sat there at the corner of the table and it makes me laugh he's so great he's so so great and i just yeah i don't know it, it, do you know what it was very 11 of him it felt very i feel like 11 would have done that do you know what i mean i feel like 10 would have maybe come out of a cupboard or something and been like, oh, what's that? I don't know. That's not his voice. That's not his voice. Um, hey, what's it? What's that? Uh, no, that's not him at all. Um, and then like, I feel like 11 would have been like, ooh, yes, please. And then like, grabbed. Yeah, oh, yeah, pork. Wow. And then Capaldi wouldn't have been there at all because he hates children. He hates everything. So, yeah. And Jodie would have literally appeared in a beam of light through the ceiling, crashed into the table. And they would have thought it was a bomb. And... Examined the pork with a sonic screwdriver. Exactly. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay, let's move on. Let's not. Let's not do this. Let's not do yeah. this now. But yeah, it's it's a really it's a really um, fun scene. I uh, love it. With I mean, almost too many li- almost too many lines. I have just quote after quote written down. It, uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because like I want to save them all for the end. I don't want to keep saying. Yeah. This quote's really good, but like there are some really good lines in that scene. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. And we'll we'll get to trade them at the end. Exactly. And then obviously Jamie appears. That's that's creepy. I, again, I wouldn't say it was like the scariest thing that's ever happened, but like, yeah, like the the silhouetting of him behind the glass in the door and the hand. Oh, yeah, like because there is something. Uh, I I don't you know I ha- I still have a glass front door, like a frosted yeah. glass front door. The majority I hate of glass, glass front doors. Yeah, it's like something really horrible about seeing people silhouetted outside your glass door. Oh, it's horrible. It's very very eerie. It's very creepy. And then like. And then, you know, Nan- you, you know that that's when you clock on that Nancy knows more than she she's letting on. And she's like, you mustn't let him touch her. I was going to say, as you perfectly did earlier, yeah. Don't let him touch her. Oh, she throws a vase at his hand. Yeah, literally, like, get away. Yeah. Like, what on earth? 
So in case um, anybody didn't think I sounded stupid and posh enough, yes, I just said vase. Vase, vase, vase. Um, how did I just miss this? I think this is in part one. No, this is in part one because obviously he traps Nancy in the room with him at the end. Yeah. He points at the door and the door closes. Yeah. So he's just got like. What on tele- earth was that? He's just got like telekinesis. That doesn't make any sense. And I get it's because obviously Nun and Jean's kind of get them ready to kind of be almost like soldiers, but it's like, but you can't, yeah. that telekinesis is a thing that you can't, no, that makes no yeah, sense. It doesn't, it doesn't feel earned enough. Exactly. It's weird. Like, even if, even if the doctor's like, you know, oh, you know, they don't know how to build a person back together. They've never seen one. You know, they just assigned them a bunch of really random attributes that they thought people should have like telekinesis. Telekinesis. Yeah. 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 Full on Matilda over here. But, you know, Steve, <laughs> Stephen just needs things to happen for the plot to happen. It doesn't matter if they get explained. True. Very true. No, it's true. It's true. Um, I will say, as annoying as the scene kind of is, I did kind of like, you know when, like, Rose and Jack are on the ship, the invisible ship in front of Big Ben? Now, here's the thing. First of all, would nobody notice two people floating in midair when there's literally a million planes Ex- flying I mean, around them? Big, Big Ben is really not that high off the ground either. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's pretty... And people look at it for the time. And another thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When Jack puts the light on on Big Ben, is that not like... Yeah, would that, would that not someone in a massive, you know, plane, a member of the Luftwaffe, not go, oh, fucking look at that, it's Big Ben. Yeah, because, you know, there was a thing about turning the lights out... Yeah. ...in <laughs> houses back in the, yeah. the, you know, in the war, because, you know, yeah. then the planes could see... Yeah, that's really stupid. Really stupid. And then, like... But I will say, I do like how you kind of see Jack's true colours coming out. Because he is a yeah. con man at the end of the day. Yeah. And, Piece like... Shit. Yeah. You can see that he's flirting with Rose. And then you kind of see that element of, like, who's your companion? I, li- I like that she pretends that she's, like, the boss as well. I mean, she yeah. is the boss. She is the boss. Yeah. She's a time agent. She has a companion. She's got... The bronze. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, going to bring that up. Like I, I like I like what it ends up achieving, but it is a bit like yeah, it does get a it's bit, a bit creepy, silly, sort of creepy innuendos and low whispers of you know Rose genuinely seeming like she's sort of fallen for him, and they play the most like pedestrian nineteen forties music. Glenn Miller. Oh, you're so like you know every time I hear it, I just go like, come on. I do like, like Glenn Miller though. No, me too. I like Glenn Miller, but you know what I mean. Like, like everything ever that's ever been made about World War Two in this country has those two Glenn Miller songs, and that's it. Yeah, and it's like to be a bit more interesting about it. I don't know. I just it's like true. I don't know what. Like, I don't know. I think I it's because like, of a copyright thing, though. Yeah, but then they were using "Toxic" by Britney Spears. No, all the budget went on that, babe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a bit like I don't know. I just every time I hear it, I'm always a bit like, uh, I don't mind in the mood at the end because it kind of fits the atmosphere. But yeah, there's something yeah. about how they're always playing that first Glenn Miller song that I'm always like, oh my God. Moonlight Serenade. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? Yeah. I have it on vinyl. I love it. It's a, it's a lovely piece of music. I just, every time I listen to it, I always go, oh. It's very generic, you're, yeah. You're you're making a, a mid-project about the world, the, the, the World War II. I was the World say the War II. The World War II. <laughs> the actual World War II. Um, so, sorry, not sorry, but. I will say that it was obviously just done so we can get so you can get that shot of Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I hate, and it's a cliche that comes up in the Moffat era again. Oh, I really, really, really hate like the mythologizing around the Doctor as a character, and that when Nancy says, "You need to go find the Doctor," and you're meant to be like, "But he's the Doctor." It's like um, the you Owen. Know, Series six, when someone, when that head in a box says, oh, Doctor Who, and you're meant to go, oh, my God, they said the title of the show, but, like, that's been referenced loads of times. The oldest question in the universe, hidden in plain sight. Yeah, wow, something that nobody's ever said before. And I mean, like, they say, they, they ask the question Doctor Who in this episode. Like, I don't know, I just hate this sort of, like, I mean, Moffat thinks he's a lot cuter and a lot smarter than he is sometimes when he's writing. And, like, yeah, people people are going to go, she's a the Doctor, past incarnation, what? And it's just, no, it's just... I know what you just, mean. It's just Richard Wilson. But do you, what did you f- feel about Doctor Constantine and, like, that whole scene? Because I think that is, like, the strongest scene in this episode. I love that whole interaction between Nine and... Dr. Constantine, I just think is so interesting. 
because intellectually they're on the same level and I, and you yeah. you know the doctor always respects someone when they're on that you can't like the doctor has their faults you know uh, yeah. anytime there's someone on the same intellectual level as the doctor like they will tend to as in like, all the doctors um will tend to just always favorite that person and give them the time of day and i feel like the yeah. the, the interesting conversations happen when that goes on um and i've always like you know examine that body examine the other one are you noticing the difference and they're like have you noticed that they all have the same injuries physical injuries as plague yep which is a really interesting line i like that yeah he's great he's great and the transformation is terrifying it's oh it's gross but it's great at the same time i don't know that's where the budget went I don't know. I, I just I don't know. I think it's the the problem for me is that the transformation the the transformation could be really scary, but they gave things right. A child on its own asking for its mother is weird and creepy and uncanny. An army of grown men doing it and women is funny, and him grunting in pain and then going mummy it's funny as shit it's not creepy it's not scary and it undercuts that it undercuts that moment for me and it happens so much in this two-parter with people saying mummy like that kid or whoever they got to do the adr for that kid because it might not be him says that word really well and it's creepy everybody else who has to deliver it uh, never works in the same way ever i'm gonna say this i'm gonna save some of this for the part two uh, episode because i have a lot to say on it as well I will give you a little taster. I think the guy, uh, again, actor who plays Dr. Constantine, when he says it, I actually am really creeped out. That whole scene creeps me out like so much. However, I agree when other people say it, it is funny. Slash kinky. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, uh, we're all thinking it. We're all thinking it. I mean, it. yeah, God, thank, thank God that it wasn't daddy. Oh God! That would have been a different. Are you my daddy? Oh, girl! And then Chris would be like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> but yeah, like I, like I, I understand why that scene works for people. It just doesn't really work for me. And of course, like seeing them all set up, sit up in bed and things again. I, I just think that the child on its own, creepy, weird, uncanny. Other people having gas mask faces and saying the catchphrase. It's like Moffat really tends to overindulge. He does. It's like it's like what's what's creepy about Blink? The three rogue angels and they're kind of they can be swapped around. What's not creepy about all of his other episodes where he has the weeping angels in? That he just go he doesn't he has like the problem of aliens, right? Where like, you know, he just goes, More, I need more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what's scarier than an alien? Several. And that doesn't work. What's scarier than three weeping angels? An entire underground cave of them. The Statue of Liberty. That's what's scary. Oh my than, god! Yeah, yeah, you know, like, oh, and I'm not oh saying god. that he can't create good action stories around it. Like he does. You know, he's definitely much more doing a kind of aliens thing where it's like we'll create an action thriller around the idea of creepiness. But I really like just the horror centric episodes, and he really overindulges too much in the amount of villains that he has on screen at the same time, and it doesn't. Work. It's true. It's true. For me, for me, it's your opinion. It's my opinion. Okay, I think. Honestly, pal, I just feel like there's not that much to say about this episode in terms of like, because it is genuinely just a setup for part two. Of, I feel like yeah, it kind of peters out. And like you say, and I think you summed it up perfectly. Like this should have been a whole episode in itself. Yeah, just ja- just Jamie, not a whole plague of people. Just Jamie, figure out what happened. Can I make two? Can I make two ending points before we lead into? So first of all, I don't know if I'm genuinely stupid. But uh, it's the first time I noticed that it's Albion Hospital, which is the same hospital from... Oh, my God, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice yeah. it. No, I, I like... I I mean, I don't know. It looks like it's changed location a lot. Because isn't Albion Hospital in... thingy like, down on, like, the waterfront? Like, near the river? And then in this one, it's, like, up on a big hill. But, um, but they're both called Albion hospital i would assume maybe to compensate for the fact that they probably had to shoot inside the same hospital <laughs> so they were like we'll give it the same name um and also something that i was curious if you spotted right towards the end before the zombies attack them and corner them jack's talking about it's space junk and he threw it at them to get their attention billy piper's face during that scene is she looks she angry like, Rose looks like she's going to punch him 
and it's really funny. Well, yeah, because she's been made a mug. Like, imagine a guy, really fit guy, has come up to you and is, like, flirting with you and actually makes you feel like, you know, you're the only person in the world and you think this is going to go somewhere. But then you realise it was all because they were trying to con you. Trying to get you into an MLM. Yeah, literally. Like, would you not be absolutely fuming? Because I would be. Yeah. No, I'm not saying her face is inappropriate. I just, I hadn't noticed it before. And, like, the, the action is very much you're watching... John and Chris do dialogue, but she's standing there on the side looking like she's ready to throw hands. She's just about to throw absolute hands. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so, yeah, we love Angry Billy Piper. I love Angry Rose. Angry Rose is, like, my favourite thing. Yeah. Like, what was she saying? She was like, oh, you know, I'm just hanging from um, a barrage balloon with a massive Union Jack across my chest, but, hey, my, at least my phone is off. That was funny. I like when he was like, can you turn, can you turn your phone off because it's actually disrupting the signal? That was flipping hilarious. Oh, it's that. good, yeah. Rose needs to get angry more. I love it. I mean, my favourite... Yeah, we, we will get to this when we get to it, but my favourite Rose line of all time is... And say say the say it quietly. It's at the end of Love and Monsters when she comes out of the TARDIS, and you've not seen her all episode, and the only thing you hear her say is "You upset my mother." Ah! <laughs> really good. It's brilliant. No one upsets yeah. my mum. No. <laughs> oh God, we love Jackie. Um, so, Pal, does that bring us to the end of this review? It brings us to the end of the Empty Child. Yes, it does. So now you know what's coming. And if you don't know what's coming, let me fill you in, listener. Every At the end of every episode, we like to talk about a few little moments and a few little things that have stood out from this episode, what didn't stand out from this episode, favourite quote, and most doctory moment. So let me hand it to you, pal. Standout moment of the episode for you. Standout moment of the episode uh, is probably... Probably the, like... Jamie's like attack on the house, the hand through the letterbox, all of the weirdness. You know, I like the scene before that at the dinner table as well. I just like that whole vibe in the house. It's really interesting. Just, just us chickens. Well, this chicken. <laughs> it's so. I don't. He's just great in all of that. I love him. The, yeah, like it's guys, so we love Chris Eccleston so much. We do. He's fantastic in this. He's so good, and he's fantastic in. This. He's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> what was your standout moment? My stand-up moment is the, probably no surprise, because I've gone on about it about three times, uh, the Dr. Constantine scene in the hospital. I think that is just fantastic um, direction, fantastic writing, fantastic acting, creepy as hell. The whole budget went on that one transformation <laughs> scene. It, ugh, love it. Like, ugh, but I love it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. So what's the moment that didn't work for you, my love? Um... I mean, I I don't just want. I'm trying to think of a specific moment where I'm like, well, it's probably it's probably Rose's and Jack's flirting before he kind of reveals his hand, because you know then you kind of go, oh, like you know, I, I understand why he's flirting with her now. But like when it seems quite sincere and she is just like in love with him, just doesn't really doesn't really work for me. Snap. Yeah. Same. Good. Same. It just doesn't. It's, I'm, I'm I'm over it. I'm so over it. Like, so that leads me on to. Well, it's probably going to be the longest section of this episode. Best best quote because oh, Jesus yeah, Christ, cause... this is quotes quote abundant quote galore. God help me. <laughs> um, yeah, because I have two that are fighting each other to be the best quote. I thought you had and like ten. I mean, I I mean, I have lots of quotes written down, but I have two that like I'm I can't I could not decide between the two of them. So I'll say one, you can say the other, and then we'll go back and we can talk about others. Uh, well, no, from the... I'm going to allow you to say both. Oh, okay. I know, but that's As your favourite quote. One of them is yours. I feel bad. No, I don't care. Don't care. All right. Say okay. it. I'm going to allow you because there's so many good ones. Okay. My two favourites, and they're from the same scene as well. My okay. first, fa- first favourite is, not sure if it's Marxism in action or a West End musical. Brilliant. And the other one is, I'm looking for a blonde in a Union Jack. A specific one. Didn't just wake up with a craving. Ah! <laughs> No, I love those. Because again, it's like it could be sort of weird, pervy, Moffat dialogue, but Chris Eccleston delivers it all so well. Yes. Yeah, that it doesn't sound like yeah. Someone else could be like, oh, I didn't wake up with a craving, but just the way he says it, he's like, you know, no, no, a specific one did wake up with a craving, and everyone's like, <laughs> intent is important, guys. Yeah, intent. It's very funny. 
Yeah. Very funny. Mine isn't those two, actually. It's oh, okay, thank it. God. It's from God. the very start, and I was really struggling to pick one as well, but I've really, I've always loved this quote, always. Give me some Spock for once. Would it kill you? <laughs> I do like, like that. What does that even mean? <laughs> I love it, Rose. I love it. Give it to me. Give it I love to it. Me. Give it to me. <laughs> um... So, most doctory moment. I feel like there's a really obvious one. Go on. And I'm avoiding it on purpose. No, don't, don't avoid it. No, because I have a moment. I have a doctory moment that's better. But I feel like I know what the obvious one is and what you might say. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. So, so should I say mine first then? You can if you want to, because I've got a couple that I'm going to be like, you know, it could be this, it could be this, but it's actually, it's this. So what's, what's Okay, your... let me do mine first, because I didn't think that deeply about it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> My most opportune moment is, there's this thing outside your door, a, a kid, scary as hell, everyone's running away from it. And literally, it's the day, it's the thing that's like, it's the danger of the episode, it is the scariest thing. Yet, because it's a child that needs help, the doctor is, it will do anything to help. Like, literally opens the door to this thing. Mm. To him, sorry. Yeah. But I think that's the most doctor thing because obviously the doctor, you know, relates. Yeah. And the doctor always is there to help children, especially. So, yeah, that's my most doctory moment. Yeah. What about you? Because I was thinking everybody, everybody's going to go, oh, it's the. It's the scene in the club when he asks if anything's fallen from the sky. Oh, yeah. You know, classic. And it's like, oh, what a funny man. He didn't know it's the Blitz. Uh, I do like that gag. That is funny. I feel like it could have been, if I was feeling in a different mood, it could have been the thanks miss with him taking the slice of pork off the plate. Because it's very funny. For me, it's actually the scene after Rose has been shipped off in a barrage balloon and he's come out of the club. And he just has that little cuddle with a cat. Yeah. He just picks it up and he's he's just like, oh, you know. You you wouldn't run away, would you? <laughs> yeah, like just once, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Someone went walk off. Cuddling this adorable little black and white cat, I was like, "That's that's very wholesome." I love cats anyway, so I need that as an action figure immediately. Nine, yeah, nine holding a cat. My note says nine holds a cat, make it a full time companion. Absolutely. I'd love to see that big finish. I mean, it would be terrible in big finish because it'd just have to meow. But like, no, I'm here I'd for love, it. I'd love a series of nine traveling the universe with a cat. Oh, the thing is, okay, question. Oh, my God. Sorry, totally random. Fun little game here. From New Who, because if we, we're here, if, we, if we did all the Doctors, we'd be here all day. What yeah. New Who doctors, like what, what animals, what pets would each New Who doctor have? Ooh, so nine okay. would have a cat, obviously. Nine would have a cat, yeah. Ten. I feel like ten would have a dog. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't isn't ten does not like cats? I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He literally doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I felt yeah, a dog, dog definitely. Eleven, eleven would have something purposely annoyingly quirky. A budgie. Yeah, so like, yeah, something when you come around, yeah, something when you come around, so you can't just go like you know, oh yeah, look, I've got a cat. You have to be like, yeah, oh no, actually, I'm sorry, I have a budgie. And we're like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, and he has Ooh. a nervous disposition, and <laughs> yeah, and to do it so they can have conversations. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and he'd be like, yeah. well, I know that she's this, but you can't say that. And they're like, what? No, literally, I've hit yeah. the nail on the head. Someone yeah. hire me to write Doctor Who. Um, um, I feel like, I mean, honestly, I feel like 12 would probably just have a cat as well. I feel like 12 would have a cat. But also, I feel like 12 could also have a really lazy, grumpy dog. Mm. Yeah. Just, like, like, you know those dogs that match their owner's energy? I feel like he would have one of those situations. Yeah. Or he just wouldn't have any because he hates pets. Say, so, or something obtuse like a big snake or something. <laughs> you know, like fair. Unlike the hat stand in the TARDIS, just like a massive python. Actual python. Yeah. Uh, and then um, thirteen would have... Gosh, she'd have. She'd have like a Labrador or something, wouldn't she? Because she is just a human Labrador. She would probably have a Labrador, but also I feel like she would probably have like five pets and be like, "Here are all my friends. Come meet." Mm. I, I'm get I'm getting and I don't know I don't know why but I'm getting fish. Oh my god, she would have a fish. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Or mm, flipped on his head because twelve literally doesn't like most things. He would just have a goldfish. Mm, yeah, just the sitting easiest, on his most... like you know his um board where he writes his little goldfish just sitting there. Yeah. No maintenance. Like, no care. Yeah. 
But I feel like 13 would also have a fish. I don't know. Let's think yeah, about but this. This is like really a... important. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like it's 12 would have a goldfish because he'd be like, you know, oh, I can just put some food in this bowl and don't have to worry. Whereas, yeah. like, she'd have a goldfish, but she'd love it and, like, take it on walks. And would be yeah. like, yeah. But, like, yeah, have you met my goldfish? He's called Trevor. Look at him. He's brilliant. And, like, yeah, yeah. he's just, it's just a goldfish that sits there. It just sits there yeah. and she goes, but she's enamoured with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. I'm sorry, I'm really glad I brought that up. I think that's really interesting. Well, you know what? It makes up for the fact that we are not giving a score for the episode. Exactly. You've got to stay tuned for that for part two, guys. You have to wait until next week. Next week. Yeah. If you're interested to know, then that's your own fault. That's your own fault. (laughs) But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode where we talked about the empty child. I sure did. I sure did. Enjoyed it more than the episode itself. Oh, tea. Ooh. Hot take. Mm. Hot take. Um, make sure you are subscribed on all of your podcast listening apps, whether that be Spotify, Apple. YouTube. YouTube, YouTube. now. Guys, I've, YouTube is up and running. We're going to leave link in the show notes. Please go and check it out. And if you have any comments, questions, queries, you can always email us. We are comealongpondpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at comealongpondpodcast or on Twitter at comealongponddw because someone took our name. Because someone took our name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, please you know, please get in touch. If you send us an email, we will read it out and or your name on the show unless you say, please don't read my name and or my email out. Then we won't. But if you want to, we will. Because we are nothing better to do. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to you, friend. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It's been great fun. I always love talking to you. I would say it was great fun fully, except I, I am sweating my ass off. Oh, okay. I, thought, I was going to say, like, come on. No, I just hate you. Yeah, ah. <laughs> as I say, you're like, like, call me out on the middle of a record. Just in the middle oh. of a record. No, I obviously yeah. had, I've got a lot of, I had a great time. I'm just very sweaty right now. <laughs> and and incidentally, a very merry whatever day you listen to this, it is at home to you as well, dear listeners. And we give you air from our lungs. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye-bye Bye. Now. Bye-bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.